Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Today, we have a hot topic, hot button issue, I guess. Hot uh, button. Hot button. We have Jack Kelly here. He interviewed Andrew Messick, who is the CEO of Iron Man, and um, I know a lot of people don't know this, but Iron Man is actually the biggest brand of triathlon races in the world. Yeah. So, and if you name anything Iron Man, they'll sue you. Yeah, he asked two really hard hitting questions that lasted just over an hour, and uh, we're just going to bring him on and, and talk about that. We haven't recorded the episode yet, so we're not entirely sure where we get to, but I don't know, Nick. What do you think? <laughs> uh, so I just listened to that podcast. It's a how, how they train podcast. They Jack Kelly interviews tons of great athletes. Jack, were you on that? Jack Jackson Lundry, you you were on the podcast at one point. Remember for like about ten days when I was like the big the big topic of conversation when I won that race that one time. <laughs> yeah, I went on. I went on after that. So you've been on there. It's a it's. Claims to be and probably is the most listened to triathlon podcast. So bottom line is I was fired up about this interview because I think the topics, the questions they hit near and dear to my heart as a professional in the sport who's seen some of the evolution. And I thought some of the great, there's some other points that Jack probably, he just got stuck trying to get answered or Andrew to answer a couple questions. You should check it out. Um, it's not like super heated and, there's not like any profanity, which I think there should have been, but Jack did everything he could to try to get Andrew to like talk about a few things, which we'll cover in this episode. And then other things he couldn't even get to because apparently there was a time limit that was unbeknownst to Jack. But uh, Jackson, you, uh, you listen to the podcast, you, what would you like to see in terms of like some takeaways from our chat with Mr. Jack Kelly about his we're doing a podcast episode about a podcast episode. Yeah, that's kind of inception there. Yeah, no, I'd love to I'd love to know like first off, I think my first question is going to be how well is that episode doing in terms of downloads? I think it's probably like one of the most downloaded triathlon episodes for a podcast ever. Cuz it's pretty interesting, but I also would be curious to know if there was like any other discussion that went on before or after or if he thinks that that time limit thing was made up, like it just seemed, yeah, there was some awkward moments there for sure. That would be interesting to clear up, but also to know like, what does some of those questions he didn't get to get to, like, what were those and what does he think, you know, should be the way that Iron Man handles things. We, we obviously got a clear vision of that with the questions he was able to ask. Um, but we could speculate on some of the other things too, but I think it was one of, it was a very important interview for people to see sort of behind the kind of curtain of what Andrew Messick is like and what Iron Man is like. And even though the questions weren't answered, you knew what the answers were. So that kind of shines a light on like what Iron Man's about. And I think most people know like, yeah, it's about making money, but this kind of like brought that to light, I think. Yeah, I, I think in terms of the pro field and how I feel like we add value to the sport and how maybe Ironman may or may not do anything to try to elevate our aspect of the sport to 
like leverage more of their marketing? Like why aren't pro, like why hasn't Jan Ferdino been like done anything cool with other major sports like the NBA or like, why hasn't there been a lot of cross contamination between like that kind of like would legitimize what we do as athletes to, you know, rub knuckles with some other cool athletes who were being paid hundreds of millions. Like I think that that would elevate the sport and that hasn't been done. So there's all kinds of weird things. I think Ironman has lost clarity on because they're so focused on the money aspect. Probably, maybe not, but we don't know. That's probably also an issue is we just don't know what the hell's, hell's going on or what their mission is, how much they're making. They're a private company, so they don't have to disclose anything. So that's kind of what this podcast is all about is a big old discussion about things we are speculating on. No, no, a damn thing, but we're going to talk about them anyways. <laughs> All right. So before this kind of drifts off, let's just get into the episode. All right, Jack, thank you, man. It's awesome to have you here. You are like the big discussion everyone's talking about right now but one question i have for you like before we start is how does it feel to be on the best triathlon podcast in the world well i mean i hadn't heard of it until 15 minutes ago when nick asked me to come on so <laughs> <You're doing laughs> no. good. real good i'm joking it is awesome actually it's like it's fun when like i think what's historically happened in the triathlon world is there's been like little segments of the media like bob babbitt's over here doing his thing global triathlon triathlon networks over there doing their thing maybe a few other podcasts doing their thing but it never really mixes and blends and you know i think it's a really good thing if like all these people who are putting out triathlon content that a lot of people don't know about like peeps some people who listen to me might know not know your podcast exists some people who listen to you might not know my podcast exists and there's lots of these little like bubbles of triathlon media and I think it's a great thing if we can collaborate a little bit more and bring some audiences together and yeah, just build the amount of triathlon content out there for triathlon fans, because there isn't that much. Like a lot of people who consume triathlon content might watch a Lionel Sanders YouTube video, listen to the one podcast they know, but that's about it. And if you think about any other sport in the world that you follow, you're like, if you follow it, there's just like so much out there you can consume. And I don't feel we have that. So I reckon it's great if we can raise some awareness awareness that other podcasts exist, other YouTubers exist, other content creators around our sport exist. And yeah, and, and start building the, the sort of media side of triathlon or the content side of triathlon, because there's a lot of people out there spending hours on Zwift or running or in their cars who love triathlon and would love more content for it. Well, in, in terms of different cultures as well, like, we don't really have a lot of that European blood coming in over here and telling us what, how important it is for folks on that side of the pond. So same thing over in Australia, you guys are in full triathlon. Like we just saw a lot of Aussie races in the past four to five weeks. And oftentimes we don't even see the results unless it's from a triathlon magazine thing on Instagram or something. So you're exactly right. There needs to be a lot more of this. So we really appreciate you coming on, especially since, You've just had a bombshell of an episode with the CEO, Andrew Messick um, of Ironman. I just listened to it um, while I was on my trainer and I found it compelling, so compelling that I reached out to you to say, we need to talk about this more, especially since I'm sure the ideas and concepts that you've brought up are nothing new in terms of what we would like some fucking answers to. I mean, does Ironman really care about professional athletes? That is that probably an obvious, you know, no, I mean, you will all talk about that again, but 
first and foremost, um, Garrick, what's our time limit? Oh, we got about 45 minutes here. Okay. <laughs> is that good? I think I feel like there is a podcast that at some point, because I've, I've already done a couple this week, I've got a couple more lined up. I have to storm out of one of them, but I have to do it in a bit of a sarcastic way where I pretend that's not what I'm doing and make it seem like there was a time limit that people didn't like make it seem like you guys knew there was a time limit, even though you'd like been told before the podcast, there was no time limit and it would just be funny. Wouldn't it? You should. I think you will. (laughs) Just don't start. You can't do it for us now because now we've already said the time limit, which isn't actually real and we could go beyond that. But, um, Okay, so who's going to ask first question about the actual interview? I know Garrick for sure had something planned, and let's we should get into it because it's going to get a little, um, it's going to get uncomfortable just remembering what it was like. Because I remember <laughs> just being uncomfortable, like it was tough because it was great questions, but it was just like two two opinions that were never going to c- cross, and like one person who was avoiding the question. So Garrick, just just get into it. Sorry, um, Garrick, are you talking to your today? wife? Yeah, it's National Pizza Day. And my wife just brought me pizza. <laughs> How painful was it? How painful was it to sit through that interview with him? And when did you did he know when he came on just like what you were going to ask him and how tough it was? Because he seemed like he was ready for a fight. Yeah, it was weird, right? Because so I'll, like I'll let you in behind the scenes because I think context is needed, and I think there is some like fun. Um, behind the scenes interplay here that that you don't get to see if you just listen to the episode. Um, so how it started is I I'd been like seeing all this media about Kona the the change and that and like I wasn't personally like I wasn't that upset by it. I like when it first got released I was just like oh yeah whatever like I didn't I didn't have an emotional reaction to it I at all. Then the more I thought about it I sort of started to form my own opinion of it and. I was like, obviously, because I do a triathlon podcast, I'm inundated with other people's opinions about the sport of triathlon and what's going on and constantly getting sent things. And yeah, so over the the course of like a few weeks, even a couple of months and thinking about it, I decided I'm going to reach out to Andrew and see. He hasn't done any media since really. Like he did a bit of a press conference of an Ironman thing where basically he just come out and said like why we're doing things. But I hadn't heard him him on another podcast and I'm like, maybe he's not doing them because surely someone's reached out. I reached out to... Um, a guy who is sort of like head of the, I won't say, I won't say who actually, but an Ironman employee and said, Hey, can you organize an interview with me and Andrew? He said, yeah, like I'll try. And then over the course of a month of sort of back and forth, they sort of accepted the interview. And then like the day before the interview or a few days before the interview, they sent me an email and said like, Hey, we just need a list of questions you're going to ask to sort of run it by and make sure that they're okay. Like we just want to sort of cross check um, to make sure you're not going to ask anything we don't want you to ask basically. Um, and so I sent some some questions that were very broad. Like I said, like I just dot pointed Ironman World Championships, dot pointed professionals in triathlon, dot pointed, um, you know, lots of things, lots of age group questions, lots of stuff that we didn't actually end up getting to, but very broad. So. I don't, they, I don't think they got any sense beforehand of my opinions or whether I was like, like how strong I felt about certain things. But if you listen to my podcast, you know that I have, like I speak pretty freely on, on my podcast and you would know that I have quite a few issues with things Iron Man do. Um, there's some things I love about them. There's some things I don't love about them. I'm very open with saying what I do and don't like about them. And I think like 
what a lot of people were saying when I like released that I was going to do the interview on my Instagram was like a lot of messages were coming through like, how are they letting you do this interview? Like you have said a lot of negative stuff about them. Surely they just don't know that. And so I don't know, like, I don't know whether they had heard that, whether that had been communicated and whether Andrew came in expecting a bit of a fight and expecting to be on the back foot. I don't know, like most people, like I would say 95% of the feedback I've gotten has been quite positive towards me and 5% has been quite negative towards me. The, The negative ones that are there do like suggest that it was me who came out hot and me who um made things argumentative or aggressive and i'm not arrogant enough to to say that's not true maybe that is true like i didn't feel that that's what i was doing but maybe because of some um preconceived ideas i have some some preconceived opinions i've formed maybe i did go into it a little too hot and didn't give him a chance for me when i was doing the interview what I thought I asked like a reasonable question straight up. I didn't do it like nicely. I wasn't babying. I just asked a pretty direct question. And I felt like I was being told half truth. Like I was listening to the very first answer and I just went like, this isn't the full truth. Like I just, for whatever reason, I I felt like I was being, like the, the question was sort of being danced around a bit and I was being given a polit- politician's answer. And I don't like that. I don't like... I hear people might say, well, just ask the question, accept the answer, move on to the next question. But for whatever reason in the moment, that's not what I felt compelled to do. I felt compelled to get to the bottom of things that I wanted answers to because I truly believed everyone would probably want those same answers. So I was a bit of a dog with a bone. Like I just was unrelenting on wanting to hear the truth and wanting to feel like I was being told the truth. Now, like maybe that's stupid because maybe – he wasn't lying at all. Maybe he was telling me a hundred percent the truth and my read on that's completely wrong. And if so, then like, I need to, I need to get better at like reading and, and like understanding when I'm being lied to and not being lied to. But yeah, in the moment I didn't feel like I was being told the tr- full truth. So yeah, I just unrelentingly went at that question over and over again, different elements about it because of that. So I feel like when the episode first started, it was, you know, a pretty jolly chat about, the locations being different. And I think that he hit every note in terms of logic, just as you explained, like, well, this makes sense to any rational adult. However, if you look into the details of it, which is what you were intending to do based, because I feel like Iron Man as a corporation has, they, they're going to protect themselves at all, by all means. And especially in this circumstance with drastically changing, as, as Andrew mentioned, making the biggest change in their history especially to the format of the world championship racing. And I think the the bottom line is they're looking to get more people to championship races. And in course, of course, to do that, they've had to maybe dilute some of the field and just try to improve all their revenue sources. And that's kind of like, I think where you were like trying to elude um, the, the conversation to maybe go towards, which is makes sense. I think we've all in the back of our minds felt like maybe they're just, a big cash grab company and they they're not really utilizing the tools they have that could be more wholesome and genuine and supporting things. I mean, they've got the foundation and, and et cetera, which is, is amazing. They do have some great things. And, and as you did say, Ironman does a lot of great for the sport. They provide a platform, but in terms of the drastic change, 
It's like, now, what if a husband and wife want to race? Now they've got to spend double. Um, you know, I think that that was a very valid point. And I don't feel like they were really ready to answer that with a very truthful statement. Like, yeah, well, we can't, we want to have a two day race because that's where we get the most people just deal with it. We got to do it. We can't go back to one day. I think something that was tough too, for everyone knew what questions you were going to ask. Like everyone knew anyone that listens to your podcast pretty much knew exactly what you were going to ask, but during the episode, there was one thing that really got to me. I I did enjoy the episode. Um, the one thing that got to me was he was trying to make a point uh, about how we the time gaps for starting. You he couldn't push them back further because the age groups, the older age groups, needed that time to finish, and they weren't going to be able to finish if we cut the time zones if we cut the time checks back or made it quicker and it is an age group world championship right so we do need those age groups to race that's the one thing that i feel like you guys were talking at each other and that was the one thing that was like tough to listen to but that was a for sure yeah that's a really interesting one that whole discussion right and Oh, a lot like again this is a lot of people have sort of been telling me like hey you were what ha- what was happening there was a bit of a straw man argument like you didn't you weren't saying those things you weren't bringing those things up and andrew was putting those things in those words in your mouth to sort of deflect or distract from what you were saying so like the older age group thing right i just find i found that whole thing in the moment i just found it so silly because like it's crazy like I have no issue with older age groupers. I'm like, the, the the irony of it is I'm all about inclusivity. Like I really am. I love that about the sport. It's one of the things I like that, hey, we have so many different people who do this sport. I like seeing that. I, I, like, I think everyone should experience an Ironman race or at least a long distance like triathlon race. I think it's a really good um, personal experience to go through the training for one, the race, whether it's a 70.3 or an Ironman or another brand's version of it, like I think you find out a lot about yourself. I think you get to test yourself, challenge yourself, overcome some some stuff. I think it has really positive effects on your mental health, on your like um, self-love, all these things. I think it's a great thing. And I think it's great if a disabled person could do it. I think it's great if my grandma can do it. I think it's great if a, like an 18-year-old kid can do it. Like that that's the whole missed point there is, in no way, shape or form am I arguing that that triathlon and Ironman shouldn't be a inclusive participant participation sport. I agree with that. And I actually said that in the podcast. I like I very clearly say, hey, you have a hundred races around the world. You there's not a continent in the world where where you can't do an Ironman race if you don't want to. My only point is why does the Ironman World Championships have to become this debate about, you know, excluding people from the race? Doesn't the fact that it's a World Championships already by default exclude people from the race? Like, isn't that the whole point? It's it's not an inclusive race by definition. It's an exclusive race by definition. Now, every other Ironman event in the world by definition is a participation event. If you can pay for it, you can be there. And we can talk about that as well. Like the fact that Ironman keep raising their prices to events, which by like, just by nature excludes, excludes people from the race. But 
then you'll have people be like, oh, you don't care about old people or you don't care about females in triathlon. Like, come on, that's ridiculous. It's not true. I care very much about everyone in triathlon. Like, that's why I have a podcast about it. That's why, like, I try so hard to promote the female sport. It's why I message like I would probably send a message with 500 age group triathletes every single week. Like all my life is, is triathlon talking to age group triathlon, triathlon people trying to give people a, a, a platform where they can hear about their sport that they love. Like it, it, it's so ridiculous. Right. And then we have this company that a little bit hides behind, Hey, we're inclusive. We care about you, but we're going to keep raising our prices to all our events because we don't actually care about you. We care about you if you can afford to come to our races and put money in our back pocket. But, you know, like think about how many people just by default are excluded from Ironman events because they can't pay whatever it is, 1200 US dollars for the world championships. It's more than that. That's a lot of money. Like you can't pay that if you're a 21 year old who doesn't take money from their parents and is at uni, or you can't pay that if you're a single mom who, you know, can barely afford to pay rent. Like, come on, the sport isn't just purely about let's include people. If, if it was, if that's what Ironman truly cared about, they'd lower their prices. They would make it so much more accessible. They like they would just they would just do so much more around that than they do, but they hide behind it more than anything. And that's all Andrew was doing there was he was trying to play this card of, hey, look at us. Oh, we really care about these people. We want everyone to be able to race. That's why we're making this decision. But that's not true. And like, it, it's also a bit irrelevant because the things I were talking about don't actually exclude any of these people. They don't. They, they just literally don't exclude any of these people. Not only do they not exclude them from all Ironman racing, they don't even at the World Championships, which, like I've said, is by nature an exclusive event. You have to qualify to get there. That makes it an exclusive event. If you're, let's, let's just compare, if you're a 75-year-old female versus a 30-year-old male, right, which one of those groups is more, like if you, if you're a 30-year-old male, it's so much harder to qualify for the world championships than it is as a 75-year-old female. If you're a 75-year-old female, you basically just have to show up at an Ironman event to get access to their world championships. If you're a 30-year-old male, that's not necessarily the case. And I don't agree with that. I love that both of those people can go to an Ironman race and race both of those races. I think that's fucking awesome. Like, I see a 75-year-old woman doing an Ironman. I go, how good is that? Like, I think that's the best thing ever. I don't look at her and go, oh, she's slow. Like, she she shouldn't be racing. She's too slow and old to race. It's the opposite. I look at it and I'm motivated by it and I'm inspired by it. And I think, fuck, that's cool. So to be to have these words put in your mouth to be painted as a certain way that you're absolutely not that and not only are you not that you're the opposite of that you're you're like i know in my heart what i believe right and i believe that that is fucking awesome so yeah. to be told that for like this political agenda to make me look like a certain way and make make him and the brand look a certain way i felt like that was dishonest i felt like it was manipulative to the to the audience and i felt like it was deflecting from what i was really asking and and the points i was really making about field sizes and um, qualification standards for the world championships and like the sport of the, the world championship event evolving and you know i wasn't saying anything that was that was gonna like exclude age groups i was just trying to have a conversation about hey where does the world championships need to go for it to be the best product it can for it to potentially stay in kona if it's not going to stay in kona what are, what else should we do um yeah, that was a long it was response, but... classic classic deflection technique you see it in every american debate where somebody will just call somebody out that's totally irrelevant and calls them a name and it switches the topic so like 
He's, he's well-versed in that. And to your point about the inclusivity and exclusivity of the race being the same thing at the same time, all being hidden, all kind of happening to hide behind the ultimate capitalistic in, endeavor of it is quite obvious. And the fact that it's just not being said properly or being acknowledged by the exact corporation who is kind of doing it all is that's where it's kind of troubling. And I think that's where you're trying to get to, to the bottom to like, how much do you care about getting money from a world championship race by allowing you know, relaxing the standards enough to boost it? And by the way, did you shoot yourself in the foot by having a two day race? Because I've heard reports from people who went to this year's or last year's Kona that it was heinous in terms of getting around in traffic as well. And it was a terrible experience. Did you shoot yourselves in the foot by getting too hungry and we all know pigs get slaughtered. And I think that was the other aspect that you were really trying to hammer that he just couldn't answer. I think the thing with it all, right, is I buy, like, I don't have issues with Iron Man. I have issues with how they're lying and manipulating us, right? So Fair. if you, look, I don't, like, it, maybe it felt like I was fighting for the world championships to stay at Kona. And a lot of people might hate me for this. I don't actually agree that that needs to happen for triathlon to be the best it can be. Now, I fully, if you, if you are someone who thinks triathlon and Ironman and the Ironman World Championships have to stay in Kona for it to be the event that it is, for it to have the prestige it does, I actually get it. I'm never going to argue with that because I see that point. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I see that point. I hear you. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because I'm not sure you are wrong. I'm not sure I'm right. I'm not sure you're wrong. I like... I think the whole problem that that I am experiencing is not so much about the 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 specifics. the The problem I'm having is the lying around the reasoning. So, if you want to keep your race two day, sweet, I'm on board with it. I'm not going to tell you to go back to one day. I'm not going to say one or two days better. Whatever decision you have to make because you believe it's best for your company, do it. I'm not. I don't have a problem with that. But don't lie to me about why you're doing things. The reason why you're doing two days is not so that the pro females have their own race. Stop saying that. It's a nice side effect of the real reason why. Like, why is that such a bad thing for them to say? And it, here's why. It's because they're being politicians. They're trying to paint themselves to be a certain way to manipulate the audience into thinking, hey, these are really great people doing the, like focusing on doing the right thing for us. It's not, it's not the real reason, in my opinion, and I think – I think it's pretty obvious that the reason why they're doing that is so that they can increase the amount of people out on that field to maximize profit. That's fine too. But just tell us, just say, hey, what, what is so wrong? What's so wrong with coming out and saying, at the end of the day, we're a mass participation event group. We want to create the best race experience we possibly can. And our end goal is to make as much money as we can so that we can, can continue to uh, build more events and grow our brand. Everyone would hear that and be like, that's fine. Like we get that. If, if there's things that are stopping that from happening, that's fine. You've got to make the change you've got to make and, and we'll accept that. But people don't accept these lies that we're being told this, like these like classic um, distraction, like pieces of females, old people, whatever it is like, that, and, and I just don't like that they, they sell these messages and lie to people and sort of manipulate their audience into, into thinking, hey, we're this holier-than-thou corporation who really care. And it's just, to me, it's so obvious it's not the case. Now, they do a lot of good, right? 
I actually think the two-day racing format's great. I love that females have their own race. I love that more people get to race, but I don't love that they're doing it at the cost of really like dampening the quality of a world championships field. I think it's awesome if every single other race in the world has more people racing it, has um, you know, like better services because there's more people racing it. They, they can spend that money on making the product better. I love that. But I don't, I don't, I don't at all believe that the world championship should be this event where if you want to go, basically all you have to do is be able to afford it and then you can get there, which is the case. Like I've been at three different races, three different races where roll downs have come down to just, Hey, is there anyone who raced today? who wants to go to the world championships because all the different spots didn't get taken and that kind of thing. And that's wrong. Like why should like professionals have to pay? Why should there be these split races where married couples have to pay? I think the pro female race won't be watched by as many people um, because it's not on the same weekend as the pro male race. I think if those two things are on the same weekend, it builds a lot more hype and both races get watched more. And I care about that. And I think the reason why that's largely happening is because they want as many people there as possible at all costs, just so that they can maximize profits. And a byproduct is that of that is it really inconveniences other people. It creates a worse product. It's not really like long side. It's not really fit thinking of the, what's best for the sport and the future of the sport all to make a few extra bucks. Like, Hey, I'm sorry. I get it. If, if you can't finish an Ironman in 16 hours, I don't think you deserve to be at the world championships. Like that, that to me, that seems so obvious. It's like, God, like I am so bloody supportive of you doing the sport and doing as many Ironmans as you can. There's so many around the world that you can do. And like, I love that, but come on, you don't get to just go to a world championship event just because you do the sport. Like I don't get to go and race a formula. Like I would fucking love to race a formula one car. Do you know how much I would love to be on a formula one starting, starting line? Me too. Be the, funnest, be the funnest shit ever. I'm never, ever, ever going to be able to do that. Never. Or just and, collect the paycheck. I'd love both, but I'm, <laughs> but I can't do that. And what should I say? Well, you'd like, why should I be offended? Because I'm not allowed to do that. Well, right? so it's like, well, I've paid to go to 10 formula one races. I mean, I should certainly be able to drive a car one day. I should just, that's, that's kind of the, I coach a lot of athletes and, you know, the legacy program. And now they're, they're putting a lot more women's spots in there, which is great. And I do have a couple athletes who've just like missed out by, you know, one position, four to five races in a row, but they keep going because they still are pursuing it. And it's not that's, a matter of them being good enough. It's just picking the right race. Sometimes that is the thing that, that he will never say, Andrew is how much more do people race other races as well because they can maybe go to the world championship if they if they get lucky or have a good race like the amount of extra money they're making by having it being exclusive whatever thousand i don't even know how many people it is it's a few thousand at least um compared to let's say a thousand that's all those people are also doing extra more races and it is it is all to make money and i think it's i think it was a really important interview because it shows the character of Iron Man for what it really is for anyone who listened and actually can kind of decipher what wasn't being said. And so um, they do just want, they want to make money. And then it, and it was the same thing with the question about, you know, sharing more profits to make the pro prize purse more. Um, 
it's enough. Basically, it's enough that pros will still go to the races, which will still generate the hype for the race so that age groupers want to go to the race or want to watch a race or whatever. Um, and they don't have to pay more to get to get that. So they won't pay more. And I, I agree with you. I think it's fine that they're there to make money. And I think people just need to realize that. And I think part of the problem is people have sort of, um, I guess, meshed together the sport of triathlon and Ironman as like, even though Ironman's a brand and the sport of triathlon is a sport, they've kind of confused them together because literally just because of the name Ironman also means the distance of the race. And the company Ironman has come in and just capitalized on that so much. And he, you know, Andrew in the interview referred to, oh, you know, for 40 years, we've been coming here. Well, actually the company Ironman wasn't even formed until the nineties. So at the beginning, it was just this race that people went in. There was no company. It was just, it was just a cool thing that people did. And then once it got the name and the company came in and that was the name of the company, everyone's confused now. And they think that to do an Ironman full distance race, they have to go to Ironman and they capitalize on that so much and you hear it with everything and i agree they're jacking up prices like a, a friend of mine in town here is gonna do eagle man 70.3 uh in the states and he's like it's crazy it's 600 bucks us age group just to enter this half this 70.3 and it's like yeah i mean uh, maybe canadian? it was canadian it may, maybe it was canadian so probably like 450 us um but i think what's what could happen and what should happen is if you think that the Ironman price is worth it and you like the product and you go and do the race and you're happy, then fine. But if you want to experience a race that's not as expensive, that's probably just as fun and just as cool, go to a different race. Go and local. Hopefully people are, you know, coming around to that and starting to see that that's an option. Here's, here's a point, right? And it's touching on things you both said then, Nick and Jacko. So I'm... I don't know whether I'm in the majority with my belief around sport or whether I'm in the minority. I love, I love the, the element of sport that it shows us like the best of us, the worst of us. It, it, it's like, it gives us the best experiences we can have and the worst experiences we can have. And I like that. I like the character building element of, of sport. I don't like when sport becomes all about everyone being happy all the time. It's just not what I enjoy about sport. So like you talk about athletes, like let's talk about age group triathlon here. And that's another point that got missed is like a lot of the time I might be talking about the professional side of things with Andrew and people put like these age group connotations on it. And I'm not even meaning to talk about the age group side of things. I think, I think they got a bit blurry sometimes and like age groupers might've thought I was saying things that I wasn't about them. I was really just talking about the pro race, but let's talk about age groupers for a second. So I like that if I say like I'm trying to like my goal is to qualify for the world championships. I I hate the idea of me being able to just go to one Ironman race, not deserving the spot and getting it. I personally wouldn't feel good about that. That's not that's not why I would set out on this like path to try and get there. I would do it because I want the challenge. I would do it because it's hard. I would do it because ultimately when I achieve it, it means I've actually achieved something. I've done something personally i think is special so stories about like hey i missed the time by a minute like i was a minute off but i didn't get there 
that sucks. And you would feel so shit with yourself for a little bit, but it's not like this, it's not this bad feeling shit. It's not like, oh, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. It's a different thing, right? It's, it's character building and ultimately makes you happier disappointment. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like that, that disappointment and that getting so close, but not quite getting there, not quite achieving what you wanted to achieve is such a massive part of sport. It's why I like professional sports so much because professional sport doesn't blur that line. Yeah, you're either good enough or you're, a loser. you're good enough or you're not, you won or you lost, you know, you did or you didn't make that group, you know, like you got a puncture and now you can't win the race. Like it's, like it's just brutal, but it makes the highs so much higher. It makes the the ultimate, like the ultimately achieving something, so much sweeter. Like the the ups and downs of sport, they matter. Whereas, I think feel like what a lot of people got offended by was this idea that, um, it, like everyone isn't just automatically entitled to something, right? I don't think just because you did a race, you're entitled to go to a world championships. I'm not. I'm certainly not. And I don't think my age or my gender or my race changes any of that. So I don't think a 21 year old who came 10th in their, in their age group and wasn't quite good enough, but the nine people or the eight people ahead of him didn't want a world champ slot. I don't think he should be able to take that. That's, you have to ask yourself, why is that happening? Why is someone who comes 10th in an age group getting access to a world championship slot? Is it because I man care about inclusivity? Or is it because they have quotas to fill and slots to fill to make money? Now, why why is that any different if you're a seven year old female? Like, I get it. It's 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 a really hard thing to do an Iron Man as a seven year old female. It's it's I can imagine it's fucking possible. I picture my grandma when she was seventy. She was she would not have been capable of doing that. Like, like maybe if she trained, she would have. But her and as how I knew her as a seven year old, that would have been an impossible feat for her. So, I can acknowledge. Wow, that's a fucking insanely impressive achievement. I love that. I love that that is part of our sport. But just because you're a 77-year-old female or an 18-year-old male or a 35-year-old white female or a 30-year-old black male, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff changes anything in my mind. It's, hey, this is a world championship event. Do you deserve to be there? And if you deserve to be there, we, I, I want you there. I think it's fucking awesome because then you've actually achieved something. It shows that you've, you've worked hard for it. You've gone to another event. You've done what you needed to do to, to achieve that. Now, I think that the standards to get there are too low at the moment. I think a lot of it's based on if you can afford to go, then you can go. Um, and like a race might have 50 world championship slots. I don't think that's the case. I think it should be like, hey, you have to come top two or top three in your age group on that day. And there's also a standard around it so that because a lot of these people, like a lot of the older um, people, like say if you're a 70 to 75 year old male, a lot of the time you're the only person in your man race. So by default, you get a world championship slot. And that, that could happen if you're an 18 to 24 year old female as well. And, and has happened where there's only been one of one person in that age category. So they get it. I don't like that. If you win your age group, come second in your age group, come third in your age group, you can get a slot, but also you need to have hit these certain times based on this course. So it can be like, adjusted relative to how hard that course is all courses get a, like uh, a difficulty rating it could be like one to four and then hey if the, the course difficulty rating is this then you must achieve these times to be able to go and get top three in your age group and i don't see how that's not completely reasonable it's a world championship event there has to be qualifying standards it just has to be and well, it's not to 
Let's it's not, not to exclude cut, people. I don't want to cut you off too hard, but I do. I want to get this point in too while you're while you're on it because I think it's it's pretty relative. And let's think about the races that are just now getting slots for world championship literally pumped into them just so they can get more participation at said event. Now, if that doesn't tell you what the motives are, nothing else does. Am I right about that? You're hundred percent right. So there's another option as well, which I'm actually on board with. I don't agree with it, but I'm on board with it. Come out and tell us that. Come out and tell us the Ironman world championships is now no longer about um, prestige and about um, the best in the world racing. We're calling it the world championship event, but ultimately what we want is as many people to have access to enjoy this experience as possible. And if you're saying that, then okay, fair enough. I don't agree, but hey, I see what it is. And I'm fine with that. I have to be fine with that. You know, like, but they don't say that. They don't say that. They just hide behind like this lie of of inclusivity. But like, just come out and say, we don't really love, as a company, we don't believe that this world championship should be uh, like a hard thing to get to. We want to make it as accessible as possible. We'd love if you could all come and do the world championship. So we're going to increase the amount of slots. And when it gets, when it comes to roll downs, if the slots don't get taken, we're really happy for anyone to take them because we just want you all to be able to enjoy this experience. Great. That's, that's yeah. essentially what's happening anyways. Yeah, but they're not telling us that. They're telling us that it's still a world championship event and it's still prestigious and it's still really hard to get there. Like, just be honest. Well, the thing so, is, it's also different per age group, right? Because there's some age groups that are extremely competitive. Yeah, to, 30, 30 year you know, old. Like, year yeah, old. like even 40, like some of the times of these, these athletes that requires to qualify, especially at the popular races where like a lot of nice. the best age groupers are there um it's really hard to get to but that's just sort of part that just goes along with it's not really fair because you know you're for some people it's really hard to qualify but for others they just kind of get their spot um if they were the one who was willing to pay for it and that and that's what happens probably in the 20 year old age groups is how many 20 early 20s can afford to go to it's it's what is it a fifteen thousand dollar trip to to go to the world champs it's which is crazy but I also like what you mentioned about the world championships rotating, which it does in literally every other sport um, for a number of reasons. But the main one, like if there's a sport where it should rotate, it should be Ironman triathlon because the weather and the course changes the outcome of the race in so deeply. There are people who will never be successful in Kona because they're like, a, I have an age group buddy here in town. Who's a great athlete. He's been doing the sport forever but he's six foot five and 190 pounds. Like he's never going to be successful in Kona. He's too big and he just can't cool himself or drink enough water. I, he hasn't been to Kona for years and he doesn't really care, but what if the race all of a sudden went to whatever Canada or Finland or Australia or somewhere else? Like then these other, these people have a chance and then it's a real world championship, both on the pro side and on the age group side, people who are competitive saying, Oh, you know what, when it's in this location, now I have a chance oh, that's a hilly course that works for me. You know what I mean? Like it just adds to the fact that it would be a much more legitimate world championship, but the history in Kona of that I, being where the port sports started is what everyone gets stuck on. They got to lose it's not that. really logical. I like the every four year idea. And then it's even more special once every four years, it's like Olympics. It's like, that would be the most, and people would really try to qualify extra that time. And that could be a really cool part of the cycle. 
people be jizzing their pants to go every four years like the Olympics. It'd be like epic. 100%. Like, I think it's sellable as well because we have the Olympics, we have world championships, we have um, Commonwealth Games where I'm from, where, you know, you, you're used to these cycles, right? You're used to these four-year cycles. So every fourth year we have Kona. The three, the three outside that, we make these fucking magnificent courses, challenging in different ways. So this year we go to Nice and it's a hilly mountainous race. Next year we come and do it like maybe we do it in the tough climates of Australia. Then the next year we go a much cooler race and we do it in Canada and we do it somewhere where it's a cold open water swim and it's like, you know, we just, we do it and we sell all these like cool different race locations and stories and, and I think... I think ultimately it does two things. I think it, it allows access to a lot of different people that would never been able to get to Kona. Like I'm never really going to go to Kona, but I might do a world championships if it was, if it was in Australia or parts of Asia. Um, and it also makes Kona so much more special when we do go there. And it doesn't take that way. Ironman don't take away from the prestige and the history that is the Ironman world championships in Kona but they also start to include all these other people from all these other, other countries, make it way more accessible to other people. And like, you're telling me TV coverage, if we went to the French Alps and did a, did an Ironman world championships, wouldn't be one of the sickest things ever. Or then went to the Australian outback. Like they're great things to watch. People would, I reckon two years into it, people would be so on board with the idea because like all you have to do is cover it well and, and it sells, right? That's exactly what happens. Have something that really bothered me about the interview and is Andrew Messick saying, we are not a spectator sport. And I have been pounding my fist for years saying, why aren't we, why can't we develop a model or like, if I can watch two weeks of the tour de France and be literally glued to the television every day, why can't Ironman adapt and make it more of a spectator friendly sport and use the professional athletes who kill themselves day in and day out to tell a better story, to, to capture the drama. Like, that is baffling to me that they can't see beyond this non-spectator aspect of what they think they've created. Nick, they can see that, right? Don't be mistaken by that. You're not crazy for being like, well, why, why, why don't they see what I see? They see it. Yeah. Of course they see it. The PTO see it, right? So to give you a little bit of detail here, the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll ask you, how many people, how many viewers do you think watched the Canadian Open, the PTO Canadian Open? 20K. What do you think, Jacko? Uh, do you mean the live coverage or like on all their platforms that they had TV contracts with? All of their platforms, every way you could yeah. consume so so actual was like, It was over a million, I, I know. Oh, fuck. I'm pretty What sure. do you think, Gary? Uh, I think it was it was over a million. I remember Daytona was larger than my college football game. When they did that coverage, so it would that would be more let's than let's say let's say five million. It was eight million. Yeah. Eight million people watched the Canadian Open last year. Eight and million. Guess, and guess which open got canceled this year? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But what it tells us, right, is that people do want to watch the sport. And if people click on a channel, watch it like they can if they can just start watching it, people enjoy it. Because here's what it is. It's the fittest endurance athletes on the planet across three sports that everybody identifies with in some way. Every single person on the planet has ridden a bike, gone for a run or gone for a swim. We can identify with it. It's crazy. 
They're killing themselves to win. There's characters, there's rivalries, there's stories. These are all elements that make up any sport we all want to watch. What do we want to watch when we watch a sport? Well, something we know, like something we know the rules of and we we identify with the sport. Well, who doesn't know what swimming, riding and running is? Maybe they don't know exactly what triathlon is, but they know these sports, right? What else do we want? We want drama. We want rivalries. We want we want battle. We want like gladiatorial style battle in our sport. Like triathlon has that as like people literally die doing triathlon. Professional athletes kill themselves to win these races. Like they fucking go to the like the absolute like possible deepest depths inside themselves to win these races every single week around the globe. Every single week. People love that shit. It's so sellable. It's a great sport. It's why we love it. We're not crazy for loving this sport. We just we see it for what it is and we're we're there already. The reason why Ironman don't want to go down that model is because it's expensive, takes away from profit, and they have an event company that is based around participation, creating them fucking millions and millions and millions of dollars in profit every single year. Why would they then take however much of that, you know, the 20 million, the 50 million it might cost every year to create this you know, spectacle on, on, on television and, and create this sport that might take 10 to 15 years to take off. And in that meantime, they've lost, you know, a billion dollars worth of profit. They don't want to do that. But we do have a company, the PTO, who do want to do that. They have rich investors. They're going all in on it. And we've just got to choose to support that because we as triathlon fans aren't these people who who are short-sighted and think like, well, this is just a participation sport. Like they're just there to try and make money. Get over it. Well, no. We care about the sport. We love triathlon. We think this would be fucking awesome if in 10 years' time everybody could watch professional triathlon because we know how good the stories are. We know how good the athletes are. We know how fun these races can be to watch. We know we like we get all this, but like just I don't want to accept that, okay, the only way you can watch a triathlon is if you go there live or this one or two Ironman races that you can watch on a shitty stream every year with shitty commentary and you miss everything and like motorbikes affect the race and whatever. Like I love the age group side of the sport. I love the professional side of the sport. This is where the separation matters, right? This is where I'm not talking about age group triathlon. I'm simply talking about, I don't like that Ironman are so like fixated on making money at the expense of the pro side of the sport. I love that they include age groupers. I love that the races are accessible. I love that there's heaps of them. I fucking think it's awesome that Ironman have this product that means everyday people can change their life. I love that. But I also believe that for the future of the sport, for what's best for the sport long-term, they should take some of that profit and start caring about it and build this sport. And that means that in 50 years time, the sport might be massive and young kids can aspire to be professionals and I, as a fan for the next 50 years of my life, get to sit down on the couch and, you know, fall asleep watching the sport I love. Yeah, I agree. I think, excuse me, when I was listening to your episode as well, and I've I've been thinking about this quite a lot for years as a coach and helping people get their goals or attain their goals. And mainly I get a little turned off, honestly, when an athlete comes to me and the only motivation they have is to just go to Kona. And, And that's only because... I think Kona's great and the heritage is awesome, but it's only because I think there's so much more about our sport that is amazing, that changes lives, that shows passion, and it changes your whole perspective on what you can handle in terms of stress at work and life and be a better parent. So for me, it's never just been 
I got to get that world championship in Kona. So I've always been very disenchanted by that just prime directive for anybody. Same thing for if it was only to go to the Boston Marathon. Like there's just a bigger picture here, folks. And then second, as Jackson was saying, and this has been something I've, you know, I don't know how it will ever happen or if it ever will happen, but we've got challenge family races who does take tremendously good care of professional athletes as well as the age groups and puts a great product together. We've had other organizations a PTO certainly has changed the whole dynamic for the professional field. So we need to probably look at ourselves in the mirror and ask if where we're putting our dollars, maybe we do two less Ironman branded races and we do a local to support the locals. And we do another totally different brand. And we don't just focus on getting to world championship as the only reason we're doing this fucking sport. Cause to me, it's always been about more and it's always been about journeys. That's why I've raced in Iceland and Patagonia and gone to Norway and done the things that really aspire or make me aspire to want to be a better person. So I think they're missing the point and they're not spreading that message enough to, well, I mean, obviously they wouldn't because then other people wouldn't just go to their races only. But I think that's the message I want to send is vote with your participation and especially pro athletes. Like we should do more for challenge and PTO to help them grab some more of that market. So Ironman does feel the pressure and have to say, well, maybe we ought to add 30% to our total earnings, especially since we're now charging professional athletes four to $500 more for their membership, even though they're literally getting zero benefit from us outside of showing up and having a pro rack, a porta potty, and maybe a different line to go in. That's like, that's it. So oh, yeah, it's 1350 US now. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's, it's gone up for forever. Well, if, you, if you add that up, we basically pay our own prize purses overall. We also there's a lot of get our own porta potty sometimes now. <laughs> <laughs> so the pro, the, a lot of pros who don't make any prize money essentially pay the prize purse for the ones who do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that part of the, we could go really deep into this, but I think part of it is, you know, I think as a society, people, people in general have become more and more entitled. And a lot of people do these races, not necessarily because they want to achieve something themselves, but because they want to be able to tell their buddy at work, they so didn't the Iron man. And you can't tell somebody you did a full distance triathlon who doesn't know about that because they're, they don't know shit about it. But if you say you did an Ironman and they're like, oh, that's the one that was on NBC or whatever network it was for years in Kona, right? Like if people are doing it for that to, to prove something to someone else, then they're going to go to the Ironman because that's got the brand and they can they can show that off. But I think the it, in, in the long term, hopefully that, you know, logic prevails and the people who really do this to achieve something for themselves and to grow as a person will we'll stay in the sport and that we might see a little bit of a deviation away from just, you know, Ironman only stuff. And the reality is they have the most races and, you know, the race quality is good. The product they put out there is good. Yeah. And the question just is, okay, when are they, when, at what point are they charging too much? And at what point do people start to say, I'm going to try something else. Um, so hopefully people start to say that because, you know, right now it's just seems to be the, if you can afford it, you're going to all the Ironmans and otherwise you're not really doing the sport. It's one of these things, right? Where I don't actually really care what your motivation is. Like I, I, this is the, this was one of the, like the main things that annoyed me about the conversation is I'm so in support of anyone who wants to do triathlon, whether it's Ironman or challenge or a local race, like do it. It's awesome. It's fun. It's hard. 
you'll challenge yourself, you'll test yourself, you'll have really low moments, you'll have really high moments. I just love all that. I love like, hey, it's it's a good thing that if you can, you know, three, four, five, ten times a week add some challenge into your week to make you a better person, to make you a more resilient person, to make you a mentally happier person. There's only positives. Like, I mean, there's a few negatives when when it gets taken too far, but if you're enjoying the sport in a healthy way, it's a fucking great sport. It's the best. And if if it takes, you know, if the motivation for you is that you want to tell your mate you've done an Ironman and, you know, it's like the wrong reasons for the purists, um, that's whatever. Like go out there and, and enjoy the sport and do it for your own motivation, whatever it is. If you're a seven-year-old who wants to prove to yourself that you, you can still do it, great. If you're a young kid who's lost direction and doesn't, you know, isn't happy, is battling mentally and think it might help you and great, go and do it. Like I don't have any issues with individual motivation to do the sport. I don't, I don't have, I don't think that the short sport should be exclusive at all, at all. I just think that it's the, it's the, it's the responsibility of the companies in charge and I may not have a monopoly on this sport, right? So I think they just have to take their responsibility of custodianship of the sport a little more seriously great you can make a fuckload of money off it guys like awesome i understand that you're largely trying to do what's right by your investors who pay your salaries and who pay your very large salaries and wouldn't it be good if we could disclose andrew messick's salary for an example i reckon we'd all be pretty shocked about it but just because you're short-sighted thinking about money 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 maximizing profit 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 like that's what I have a real problem with care about the sport. Like I want the people in charge of my sport to care about the sport now in five years time in 50 years time. And I think we're losing that a little bit. This decision to move away from Kona fine. If you're going to make that decision, then really think about, okay, we think that we can't be in Kona long-term what's best for the long-term direction of this sport. It's not fucking having one race in Nice and one race in Kona and then the next year swapping them and having them a month apart. That's a fucking bullshit solution so that you can still make money and you're afraid of pissing people off by moving away from Kona and Nice are paying you a fuckload for the race and you can't even do it at the same on the same weekend because Nice have Rugby World Cup on so it's not possible to do it over that whole week. What does that tell you? Tells you money's the motivation that there's, there's there's other things at play and it's not caring about the sport of triathlon. It's not caring about the future of the sport and what's best for the sport. And that's what I have an issue with. But the issues and the and and everything I'm saying, it's not about the people doing a, the sport. It's not about excluding anyone. It's not about it's it's the opposite. It's fucking caring deeply about the future of the sport and making sure that this sport is the best it can possibly be, so that we can in, all enjoy it for whatever reasons we want to enjoy it, whether it's because we're, we've got an ego and we want to tell our mate we've done an Ironman or whether it's because, like I said, we're, we're that young kid who's struggling or that old lady who still wants to prove to herself she can do it. That's all great. But my main point is that as custodians of the sport, as the company that have a monopoly on the sport, stop lying to people, stop trying to fool people, just do what's fucking right for the sport. Yeah, I think that's a great way to pretty much put a pin in this discussion as well. I think, I think we all... We all agree with you on that and how we all get there on an individual journey is going to be completely needed. It's, we just need to respect how everyone kind of, kind of gets there. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And, you know, I think, you know, Jack, with your opinions and what you've obviously done to try to highlight aspects of the sport through your podcast, I, I mean, 
everyone is going to love or hate certain things about someone in life, but I just, I feel like your genuine care for what we're doing. Um, and I don't feel like it's ever a personal vendetta against Messick or Iron Man. And I think in a looming way, I've always felt like there's just something that we're not being told the truth with. And I would like to also have that kind of just be coming down from the corporation who I put a lot of time and help coach athletes to go race for like i just want to know they're a good wholesome company and they really don't just care about saturating the sport until it's so dull that it's not as effective and tremendously amazing anymore so that's why i wanted to get your opinion on the show and bring you on and kind of recap the episode i again i don't have anything against messick either i think he's a spokesman for a big conglomerate that he probably doesn't have the clout to really change opinions or minds and maybe it's a big machine that maybe he can't do a damn thing about. So he's just got to roll his hand too. I mean, there's things that I'm sure we don't even know about what he may or may not have been trying to do, but just can't. And now he's just the way he is. So that's, that's where I'll leave my perspective. Uh, Jackson, Garrick, anything else to wind her up? I mean, it all comes down to moving the world champs. I have not qualified for 70.3 worlds because they took it out of Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> pretty much there you <laughs> go <laughs> thanks yeah, we should just move that back there but no it's been great the only other th- question i have is um and this is you know just because i think a lot of people hearing the interview you've had with him is going to be a good thing has that episode been like a huge episode for you like the biggest ever or you know how what are the numbers on that give us give us the, the straight goods we see i like this because if I expect people to be honest with me, then I have to be honest with other people as well. So I love any question where I have a chance to like give inside information. I fucking love that, Jacko. So um, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll try and break down the numbers. So our biggest episode is 8 million. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was in the Canadian Open and that was watched by 8 million people. So. <laughs> Hey, for fuck's sakes, I thought you meant live broadcast, and I did see that 20,000 streaming number, so I fucking lost the old picture there. Okay, so okay, so I've just got up my numbers here. These are my download numbers of every episode I've ever had. So the most downloaded episode I've ever had was Olav Alexander Boo, the Norwegian head coach, and that has 77,000 downloads as we speak. Beauty. Uh, this is so this is just on audio podcast platforms spotify apple etc not it's not youtube based at all it's just audio only so yep that has 77000 um and that was about t- 8 weeks ago 9 weeks ago the andrew messick episode has 48800 listens which is the most in a first week of downloads of all time so um so to give you perspective, my Alistair Brownlee episode the week before got 28,800 downloads in the first week. So it's 20,000 more than that. And Alistair, like, he's obviously one of the biggest names in the sport. Um, so yeah, it's doing, it's doing big numbers and it's done well. And a lot of people have listened to it. And I guess like, this is another thing, right? Isn't it? That good or bad, whether you love me or hate me, whether you love the episode or hate the episode, I just think it's a good thing that we're talking about triathlon and that there's entertainment in the sport and that there's drama in the sport and that there's conversation around the sport. Like I know as a fan of other sports, there's nothing better. Like I love sitting back and consuming content around sports and, and having access to that. So 
you know, like this is like, for example, there's been, I've been sent messages afterwards saying like, Oh, I love you. That's like, that episode was the best episode ever. And then I've also on the other, other end had someone message me and say, um, like you're a fuckhead, go kill yourself. Do you know what I mean? You have both ends of it. Yeah. And like, I don't read that now. Maybe I'm like pretty thick skinned, but I don't read that and get down. Like maybe a little bit, like it's not nice to have people not like you, but ultimately I can take a step back and think, well, at least I'm providing people like a, a source of content on the sport that I love. And I think that's a good thing because that's, that's, you know, that's what I want to have access to for things I love. Like whether I love F1, for example, I love being able to go onto YouTube and watch F1 videos and um, commentary and analysis and opinions I disagree with and start hating that person's or opinions I agree with and love that person. So at the end of the day, whether you love the episode, hate the episode, whether you love me, hate me, whether you love Iron Man, hate Iron Man, whether you're somewhere in between on all those things, I think it's just a good thing that we've got triathlon content and and I want to be someone who continues to provide people with content about the sport that I love. And we appreciate it. And I think we share a lot of likenesses. All, th- all how many of it? There's four, five of us, four of us here. So I'm having a hard time counting publicly. Um, I would say we all probably share that same competitive spirit we love the sport and i have always been like i don't like i have have a really strong opinion about really much because i think probably anything's possible especially based on the limited amount of facts we all get through the actual media so if you're so dead set on something sometimes it's just about your ego and you just need to just chill out and you make yourself a lot easier and nicer it's not be such a dick all the time so that's that's how i think you should be hey nick as the host of this podcast um do you mind if I take the hosting realms just for the last little bit of the podcast here? Oh, I'd be sick. Okay. So I just want us to finish on this. We can, well, we can talk afterwards, but if you want, this could be a cool note to finish on. Two questions I have for all of you. So one, make a bold prediction for something that's going to happen in the world of triathlon in 2023. And then number two, tell all of us something that no one in this chat knows about you. Oh, sick. Jackson, you're first. What? Why me first? Because you were less prepared than I could tell. Hey, we're doing, I'll do the bold prediction one first. Um, God, bold prediction. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Nick, you go first. All right. My bold <laughs> prediction here, you heard it here first. Jackson Laundry wins 70.3 world championship. <laughs> that would be big. That's bold. That would be big. My my nuts are tingling when I said it, so I know it's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> okay, well, I can go next then. Um, yeah, I think this might not be a good thing, but I think we're going to see one of two things happen by like maybe by the end of this year or next year is that – Iron Man's going to make a decision on the pro side of things, whether they really want to support it or not. And it's either going to go like in the good direction of let's get more into this, or it's going to go the other way and they're going to start cutting it back a lot or God, God hope not, but maybe removing it. But I think there's going to be something going on there and there's going to be a lot of adjustments that have to be made by the pro athletes. Let's just say that. Fair. Gerald. My bold prediction is Jackson is going to win the Asian Open. (laughs) (laughs) 
What's where is that one in Singapore? Singapore. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is like the stupidest thing ever. Like, hey, my bold <laughs> prediction that Jackson Laundry is going to win the Ironman World Championships. You hey. guys both did the same thing. Hey, he's okay, all we okay. got. No, just kidding. It's a good one. Okay, what was the last one? Something nobody knows about us. Oh God, I've got a good one for that. Jack um, and I lived together for like multiple years, so. But but you and I know that about each other. No, I know, but I'm saying this will be tough for you to pick something that I don't know. Oh, okay. Hey, by the way, my actual bold prediction. I don't know if this is actually bold, so tell me. But I think Sam Laidlow wins the Ironman World Championships. I don't uh, think that's bold. It's not super bold based on current of Sam Laidlow-ness. Is, it's, the men's is in Nice, right? Not the women's? Actually, yes, men's in uh, Nice. I'll make an actual bold prediction uh, if we're going with race wins here. I think Brownlee wins 70.3 and Ironman World Champs this year. He wins Johnny, both. Johnny Brownlee, man. He, he, Alistair, that's bold. Alistair, what the hell did I say, Johnny? I meant Alistair. Oh, Alistair. Okay. Holy. I was going to say you want to put something on that. <laughs> yeah wow okay all right jack kelly your bold prediction yeah just... i think i think sam laidlow wins the ironman world championships he came second this year but i think it was a surprise and i think people expect him to go backwards next this year in 2023 but i think he'll go the other way i think he'll win it okay yeah something... i wouldn't be shocked that's yeah it's a good prediction okay something nobody knows about you nick you go i thought i was gonna have this one down uh let's just say I'm a closet audiobook fanatic and I listen to 60 to 70 hour audiobooks that are all based on graphic sci-fi fantasy and Lord of the Ring type things. I'm a huge geek. Is that actually true? Yeah, that's what I listen to when I'm just cooking or walking around or I've been known to listen to all kinds of trilogies and stuff like that. So that's not too dirty, I hope. Eric. I when I have a few beers in me, I do a mean Josh Turner impression. Who's Josh Turner? It's not an impression. What a cover! I don't know. What do you want to call it? Who's Josh Turner? He's a country singer, right? Oh, there we go. Oh, well, you have to do it now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't had like, a few beers though. Is that like Canadian Garth Brooks? I can, I can, I can vouch for that. I've actually heard that, but oh. Okay, we we'll get okay. We'll get him lit one day and do it. Jackson, what's yours? Okay, so this is kind of embarrassing, and like people will say, maybe this isn't totally unknown, but in an average week, I go through about like an actual number is about fifty granola bars a week that I eat. <laughs> How much soda? <clears throat> not not hard, no soda. Lots of juice. Oh, juice, my bad. But fi- think about fifty a week, so that's seven wait how many is that seven a day yeah seven a day i've seen i've picked up the wrappers i know it's a shitload so i, I literally have probably about close to 25 percent of my calories comes from just granola bars which is kind of ridiculous and like i realize that um but when i'm when i'm done with pro triathlon i think i'll just never have a granola bar again all right jack kelly you're you're up what's something that you've probably been you've probably been asked this question already but something no one knows you're probably in yeah I've, I've been asked it a few times on different podcasts because i always, i think it's a great way to end things so i'm going to go with a new one so i go with a new one every time um and it's actually sort of you made me think of it nick so 
I my big guilty pleasure and something I spend way too much time doing is on YouTube. There's these videos, right? And they're about the Big Brother reality series. So I love American and Canadian Big Brother. I love them, right? I'm like obsessed with them. I always have been. Australian Big Brother, like for the country I'm from, it's terrible. It's a different format. It's shit. But American and Canadian Big Brother are awesome. They're one of the best TV shows on the planet. And there's these video compilations on YouTube that are like, so there's been like 23 seasons of Big Brother America, for example, and 10 Big Brother Canadian series. And so there might be these videos that are like Big Brother 16 in six hours. And it's six hours. It's a six-hour YouTube video of every key thing that happens in the series all put in this compilation. (laughs) And I will watch at least one of them, but usually more, every single week. And it's so bad. My girlfriend's in the house with me right now, so she'll probably hear me say this. But it's so bad that me and her, she's an early sleeper. I'm a late sleeper. She'll go to bed at 8.30, ridiculous, by the way, and we'll be laying in bed and I'll be trying because like, I like I endeavor to be an early sleeper, but I'm, it's just not who I am. And we'll be laying there, it'll be 9.30 and she's been asleep <laughs> snoring next to me for an hour, fought, fell asleep as soon as we got to bed. And then I'll be like, fuck this. And I'll go out to the lounge room and I'll put on Big Brother 16 in six hours or Big Brother 7 in seven hours or Big Brother 14 in two and a half hours. And I'll sit there with a little snack and a drink and I'll watch it until midnight before I sneak back into bed she wakes up in the morning. She goes, how do you sleep? I said, oh, great, great night's sleep, being here the whole night, when really I just went and watched three hours of Big Brother from 9.30 to 12.30 and then came back <laughs> in bed. Look, as, uh, long as, you, as long as you're not doing that with a leather mask with a zipper and you're all gothed up because it makes you all horned up, we're good with that. You know what? Even if that's the case, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't care about inclusivity, Nick. No, nah, I'm good. Oh yeah. Why do you hate why do you hate uh whatever S and M, Nick? Why do you hate I don't promise. Yeah, I hate old people and you hate people that get <laughs> sexual responses to watching Big Brother. Well, that was that was a nice way to end. Um of course after Jack signs off, uh we're gonna go through our Patreon patronage of the week and stuff like that. So stick around. But first Jack Kelly, thank you for coming on. Um, if you want to catch up with anything that Jack has been doing, go to How They Train uh, podcast. Um, anything else you want people to check out before you sign off there, Jack? No, nah, no. Nah. Just if you're a triathlon fan, like seriously, all this bullshit aside, just keep into enjoying your triathlon. Like don't get caught up in this like me versus you debate. Like anyone who does triathlon does it because they're the same kind of person. Like we all just love training. We love being involved in the sport. Um, like, I don't know where we, we, I think we all got to be in it a little bit more together. That's my big point that I'm going to be trying to make from now. Like let's stop fighting each other about fucking stupid shit that nobody actually thinks we're all in this sport. Cause we love it. We love training. Let's, let's just build the sport together. That, that's, that's my big thing. Be a bit more positive to each other, you know? All right. Hugs and kisses, baby. Thanks for Hugs coming on. We appreciate See you, it. Hey Jacko, can't wait for you to win 70.3 world champs this year. Yeah, me too. That'll be great. That would actually be awesome. I get 50 bucks from each of you. <laughs> See uh, you boys. If I hey. win it, I will give you that. Okay. Hey. All right. Peace out. One, I do have one request actually before I leave. All right. Before we chat next time, I want all of you to go watch one of those Big Brother seasons and <laughs> tell me you don't love it. All right. That's fair. I actually okay, give us your don't best even season. Know what Big Brother is about. I've just like seen it in passing. Okay. Uh, so like, the best- oh, you describe it because you know better than me. 
Okay, so Big Brother and Survivor are very much the same. They're the same concept, just different shows. Survivor's out in the wilderness, Big Brother's in a house. What happens is it's a group of, it started as 12, but 12, 14, 16 people go into this house together every week. One of So every single week they do a competition. One of them becomes the house leader called head of house. They nominate two people for eviction. There's a veto ceremony midweek where you, if you're, if you're like one of the people nominated or if you're not, you can take someone who was nominated off and someone, and then the head of household has to replace them. At the end of the week, two people are up for eviction. Every one of the housemates goes into this little room, puts in their vote. Whoever has the most votes of the two people leaves the house. That happens all the way till the final three. Then the final three compete in this game. Um, from there, one of them's evicted. The final two then go to the end of the show and everyone else who was in the house or like most of the people who was in the house, the jury, then vote for the winner. It's, it's awesome. The big thing about it is it's all about strategy, right? It's all like this big social experiment. People have different strategies. They form um, alliances. It's really fun. It's really fun. It's like the real life Hunger Games, but in a house. Literally. People don't die. They don't get shot, that kind of thing, like the Hunger Games. Yeah. It's not young children like the Hunger Games. It's consenting adults, but similar. Um, the best season to go and watch is search Big Brother 10 okay. in two hours. Watch it. Love it. Dan Geesling, he, he's on that season, my favorite Big Brother character of all time. Jerry, this 70-year-old. I know people think I hate old people. Jerry, he's a 70-year-old. He's my second favorite of all time. You'll fucking love it, boys. Trust me. That was the only Big reason you brought this up, so you could talk about your love of old people, aka Jerry. <laughs> this is this is all. That was the whole point. I get it. Big my Brother dream. Ten, Big Brother Ten, USA or Canada? USA. USA. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In two hours. My Big dream Brother. is for Jerry to do an Iron Man. Then people would know that I do not hate old people, because all I would do is talk about Jerry doing an Iron Man. We're not allowed to broadcast that. We're gonna get kicked. We're gonna get stop it, stop it. I'm getting horny. This isn't going in the episode. <laughs> is it? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, man. Well, this has been unreal. Um, hope to chat again. We'll have you on again sometime. Yeah, maybe man. one of us will go on to your show again. Garrick's doing his first Iron Man and he he was really apprehensive about this because he can't wait to get his tattoo and everything. So you know. <laughs> he already got it. So he have, you, have you boys watched watched Entourage? Yeah, uh, some of it. Yeah, you know how um, how um, I've forgotten his name. The uh, Billy Walsh, the crazy director, gets the big um, face tattoo of Vinny on his back. You don't <laughs> oh, know I remember that. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Garrick will do. He'll get a big picture, like a big face tattoo of Andrew Messick on his back after he does an Iron Man. <laughs> Messick. All right. How about this, Nick? If I win, if your prediction comes true, um, I'll pay for it, but you have to get a tattoo of me on your body somewhere. How oh, big? It doesn't have to be big. Any size. I'll do it. Oh. <laughs> Better start training, boys. I'll do it. I swear to God, I'll do it. <laughs> All right. I'm out of here. Enjoy your day, boys. Hey, thanks right, for man. your time, Jack. There you go. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, man. Woo! That was a that was a hefty old episode full of a lot of uh, mixed emotions, and I think we all came out pretty darn good with a healthy respect for one another and uh, the sport in general. So thank you for that. No more needs to be said. What we do need to say, though, 
is uh, RTS has grown quite a bit, Real Triathlon Squad, which is our, our team we are all proud to be part of. Um, Jackson and Garrick are pro athletes on that. And then we also have a pretty big age group following now, and we're looking to grow it. So if you want to join, head over to realtrisquad.com. You can head up our RTS online area where you can see live rides, Zwift rides we're going to do. You can sign up to get a coach. You can meet the pros. Um, you can sign up. It's free. And you will get discounts, a newsletter every week, um, and other events as well. And for some quick thank yous and shout outs, we've got somebody who's shown up to every one of our Zwift rides, which is, I think there's only been like two or three of them. So that's pretty legendary. Uh, Jillian Martinick has attended all three Zwift ride, group rides we have hosted. Um, so we appreciate that. We're doing another one, um, usually every Saturday. And then we've got some velocity rides, maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays with our instructor, Adam, or I'm doing one, I think, um, coming up on Tuesdays or Thursdays. So you can have some instruction, um, Strava. We also have a Strava group and I think we've got someone who did like a 6,000 meter swim, big birthday ride or something like that. But this week we've got Andre Girard crushing the swim. Um, let's see two hours and 48 minutes in the pool just this week, leading our whole group in swim time. I think most of us don't swim that much this week. Um, Patreon. So we also have Patreon. You can get a cap, sweater, mug, cool stuff just for being part of it. We appreciate it. This obviously takes time and effort. So we want to, you know, three $3 for no merch, but you get a shout out, six bucks for a swim cap, 10 for a cap and a mug, 20 for a cap and a shirt, 35 cap and a hoodie six tiers. So we would appreciate anyone who joins our Patreon and you can find the notes in our bio of our Instagram and also of the show notes. Garrick will put them in there. Um, so our shout out is going to be Mario Rosansky has been a VIP patron since January, 2021, our highest gifting individual and so worthy of a mention. Thank you so much for your support, Mario. We'll make sure that we send you something worthy of it. Probably Jackson's used signed tri kit that he doesn't mario's a beauty that guy has been he's been doing on the sport man. forever he's been on lpc uh i don't see him around that much he's a he's a truck driver who freaking does the sport like he'll literally hit up pools like while he's driving across the entire continent which is nuts so he's at that's dedication so thank you so much for all your support um final words i don't really know if we have any um, that was pretty interesting. It was uh, that's the first time we've had another successful pod podcast host on our show. And I think in terms of downloads, we get what he gets for like one episode is kind of what we get for almost a year. So pretty massive. Yeah. And uh it would really help if you guys do enjoy the episode and you share it with people. That's how it grows the quickest because we can only do so much with our promo stuff it's when people share it that's how I, I found his podcast someone shared it with me and that's how i found several other triathlon podcasts as well and if you have a patreon patreon account with us which we do need to answer a question from will dennis it's um, pronounced denis it's french will denis sorry my b um what are some proven fail safe ways to avoid injuries from running um we could go on and on but I'm going to give my tip that I give most all of my athletes and it'll be very quick calf raises. They don't have to be like on the negative or anything loaded, but do like 10 to 15 reps, individual leg, 
calf raises after every single swim, bike, and run because it'll keep your posterior chain loose and strong. It'll help your planner stay nice and relaxed afterwards. And that's been pretty much how I keep people off the bench. Garrick, do you have one? Oh, don't run. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> no one will take that away from you. That's the only guaranteed way. And Garrick takes things very literally like a total sure. dick. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jackson, really, it comes down, it comes down to load distribution and just like properly increasing your mileage over time. Right. Okay. Too much, too soon, too fast is usually the number one culprit. Yep. Okay. And then let's say you're injury prone and there's something coming up frequently. Um, and it seems to just keep on coming back. You got to get, there's probably a dysfunction in the way that you're moving and it's hard to determine that. And sometimes you might need to like look for some different sources. Obviously in Canada, it's, it's not super easy to just see a specialist right away all the time. Um, but trying to get different opinions is probably a very good thing, even though it can be frustrating and take time. So um, if you feel like you haven't gotten to the bottom of it, and you're not, you know, you don't feel like you really understand what's going on or what you've been doing hasn't been working, then maybe try something different because your intuitions are probably better than you think. Okay. I like it. Um, finally, from one of our near and dear patrons, Garrick, this one is directed to you, and I've got a little bit of a small paragraph to read, and you you can choose to answer any part of it. I think it'll be pretty much relative. So you got to stop saying relative. It's relevant. <laughs> am i saying that wrong this whole time yes shit i've done i've, I've done it i've ripped into you for this before I, relevant I, means like it makes sense for what we're talking about relative means like you have to compare it to something else for it to mean anything so relative is like a contrast relevant is like similar yeah okay now i'll never do that again until <laughs> next time so the topic is manscaping and we've got clippers, wet shave, or waxing. What do you prefer, Garrick? Uh, we'll start with the clippers, and then you got a wet shave after. Okay, so that's fair. Okay. Um, and so next part of this, it's a multiple part. Uh, Year-round, summer, or just the day before a race? Not the day before the race, because it's a lot of work. But, like, yeah. not soon before the race. Okay. It's got to be like stages. It's like four or five days out, you hit the clippers, and then you maybe do a wet shave like two or three days out, and then you do another one the day before. That's okay. how I do it. I like that. And plus, you're eliminating any like ingrown hairs at that point from just sprouting up and pissing all over you. Yeah. And I do like to do some of my last like pre race swim sessions where I'm shaved decently. So it just feels good. Okay, girlfriend. Um, so next, chest rug or no chest rug? With chest rug, because the only time it's going to make any difference, you're, you're completely zipped up. Okay. So I would never touch that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Garrick like, shaves his legs right up to the edge of where his dry suit <laughs> legs go. And Hang on, we're getting it. there. We're getting there. That's a horse. Um, all right, next part, back hair or no back hair? I don't currently have back hair. I only get little sprouts in my shoulders and my wife picks them off tweezers. So I'm... I was going to say that mine would get picked off too if I did have any. Same with shoulder hair. Yeah. Yeah. I just get a couple shoulders and they get, oddly, a couple weird ones like 
sprout out of the edge of my scars. Like my scar lining has like oh five of them that they oh, get pulled out. Genetics are getting rewired and starting to grow head hair down there. It's trying to fix itself in a weird way. <laughs> All right. Finally, do your ladies like freshly shorn man or do they like not like it because it feels like they're cuddling a pubescent boy? She doesn't mind it when I'm shaved. It's when it's growing back and it's yeah. super quickly. All right. With so Okay. So that pretty much answers our Patreon questions. Thank you. If you submit them um, through the Patreon, we will relatively quickly answer them. Yeah. But I guess, I guess we didn't get back to it. So what Jack was saying is I only shave up to my tri suit on my legs. 50% of the time that is true. Okay. I've seen that some women only shave up to their short line. Yeah. It and looks great with Amazon. your speedo. Okay. All right. So that's been a great episode. We're going to have another ripper of an episode here real, real soon. Thanks. For we're going to be talking about the PTO point system. PTO point next. system next episode. Jackson was on the committee for that. So we'll have a lot of inside knowledge and that will be released to the public very soon, probably by the time you're hearing this. So thank yes. you for all of your love and support and being kind to one another through positivity and handshakes. Right? Ready? Right. Peace. Peace. Out. Out. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one-man mission trying to see it through.